Brilliant. So we are um, kicking off, uh, we did a special family service, which was, which was really special uh, last week. It was a great time to pray for people taking different steps of life. Uh, we're going to do People of Hope today, and then next week we have some really special guests with us. Uh, Matt Hosier leads a church called Gateway Church in Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth Pool area, also heads up the advanced group of churches for England and Europe. Uh, he's going to be here with us, um, heading up the men's things as well, um, some uh, doing work with pastors in the city as well. So make every effort to be here for that. Um, he's going to be here with Stephen Jack, who spent some time uh, doing life and ministry in Zimbabwe as well. Um, but two people I think we can learn a huge amount for. They're going to be a great blessing uh, to the church over next week. So men, uh, get to the Saturday night as well. Wives, this is your time. Send them. That's where they need to be. So I don't want to hear any men saying to me they weren't allowed to go. They'll be there. And uh, if they aren't interested in going, send them as well. Just tell them you guys really need to be there actually, uh, because they do. We all need to learn. So we are almost halfway through, um, or not halfway through, sorry. We're almost a year and a half through when Hope Church started. God's done amazing things above and beyond what we could expect. We're really blown away by being part of the family of hope with you all and calling Hope Church home. And I, I just want everybody to know, and you might be exploring faith here today. It might be your first time through the doors, invited my friend, um, and we've sung some strange songs, and you've seen people raising their hands, and you've kind of gone, this is a little bit weird for me. But I want you to know that every single one of us has immense value to God and in His kingdom. We each do. No matter what your past is, no matter where you feel you sit at life, everyone has immense value in God's kingdom. He has more for you this year. He's at work in your life. He will complete what he started. He will complete what he began in our lives. There's no perfect faith family. We're all going to let each other down. We probably have already as Hope Church. We're going to rub each other the wrong way. Obviously, I never do that, and, you know, but you guys rub each other the wrong way. <laughs> But we're going to do that, but we get to be part of the most incredible family on earth, the family of God, and man, that's a privilege. And Hope Church, when we planted it, it's never built on us as people. Uh, it never can be. It's God's church. It will always be His church, but we get to be a part of it. A small part in this city of the many great churches in our city, a small part in this continent, a small part of, across the globe in this tiny window of history. We get to be part of it, and God's inviting each of us to take extra steps, to take him more seriously, as we sung earlier, that the desire of our hearts truly would be him and him alone. So it's a joy and it's worth giving our lives for. And so at the start of the year, I want us to look beyond ourselves and maybe just for a short bit to the need that lies before us in our neighborhoods and in our city and in the nations beyond. And that's gonna be the beauty of having people like Matt and Steve with us next week is it broadens our eyes, gives us a bigger picture of what God's doing around the world. But just in our tiny pocket of the world in the northern suburbs of Harare, there are thousands of people who don't yet know Christ. Thousands. I want to say 200,000 plus, but I'll just set it at thousands just in our uh, tiny spot of Harare, spot of Zimbabwe. And how might Jesus be asking you and I to reach out to people in 2024? And how might church look if God really challenges us to do that? What if we believed God for reaching just 1% of those who don't yet know him? And maybe you're in the 1% today, and that's amazing. Keep exploring faith. I think God's gonna speak to you today. Just 1% to be saved from an eternity in hell and that God might use us in this room. Just that, 
Just that alone and saying, God, would you do that amongst us? Imagine if one, two, three, ten of your friends came to faith this year, started exploring faith, you shared your story, started to explore faith and came to faith. What would that mean for our family of faith? It makes my brain whirl. It makes me feel a little bit terrified, if I'm honest, but it excites me at the same time. But it isn't about numbers. God will sort that out. It's about people far from God being drawn into a relationship with the living God. People walking in darkness without knowing it, seeing the light of Christ, seeing purpose come that lasts beyond the grave. It's about prodigals returning home and God calling us to be part of the process. So will you answer that call today? Sitting in your seat, I don't know your story. I don't know what the past year has been like. I don't know what you've journeyed through. But in your seat, will you listen to God's call to reach a broken world? Will you say yes to him? My prayer is the answer would be yes. We can live for many things. We can live for our kids and that they have a good education. We can live to store up in our bank accounts. We can live for success. There's only one thing that lasts beyond the grave, and that's living for him. It's living for the king. And so how do I believe that God would call us to do that in 2024? I think three clear instructions for each of us. Firstly, to know who we are. Secondly, to know what we're called to. And thirdly, to know how we should live. If we can get those three things right, God will blow our minds with what he does. He really will. So firstly, we need to know who we are. Now, if you're a Christ follower here today, you need to know deep down who you are in Christ. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 to 18, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Our old ways of life, our old ways of believing is passed away. The new has come. All this is from God. He's the first mover in the story of our lives who through Christ reconciled to us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God draws us into a relationship with him. Then he says, but it doesn't end there. I would like you to help draw people into that same relationship. So if you've come to Christ, if you call yourself a Christ follower today, you're not a better version of your old self. You're entirely new. New spirit, new life, new destiny, brand new. But it's so easy for us as Christ followers to start thinking that our identity in Christ is based on our behavior, but it's heart transformation through Christ. Allow that to sink in today. God doesn't love you more if you behave better. He doesn't love you less if you behave worse. His love for you goes beyond our behavior, but his love for us transforms our behavior. It absolutely changes the way that we live but we don't live in a certain way to earn God's love. We live a certain way because he loves us. That's the difference between being a Christ follower and following any other religious form. Your past is paid for, heaven is home. You can live in freedom of new life. God's grace, what he did for you on the cross is sufficient. He's close, he'll never leave you, and that's astounding. But we must always live as Christ followers from the foundation of God's love for us and then behave the right way rather than trying to behave the right way because we think it'll make God accept us. We're dearly loved by the Father. Jesus Christ is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And if you don't yet know Christ today, just wait for the explanation I'm gonna give now in the second step, which is know what we've been called to. So know who you are in Christ. Second one, 
know what you've been called to. And to help us on, us on this journey, this is actually a, a verse that um, God gave to Sarah um, a number of months ago, and it just really felt this is what God's calling us to as Hope Church. And it was spoken by John the Baptist's father. If you don't know who John the Baptist was, he was Jesus' cousin, and he really was led by God to prepare the way for his cousin, Jesus Christ, to start his ministry. And so his dad, Zechariah, says this about John the Baptist, and it was a God-given word, but I believe it's for us. We believe it's for us as Hope Church. And so it starts off from here. It's in Luke 1. It starts off, and it says, verse 76, talking about John the Baptist, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Friends, as Hope Church, we always want to be a place that helps people to explore faith. Just as John the Baptist prepared the way for Christ in people's hearts, we want to prepare the way for Christ to impact and speak to people, and we have an opportunity to open that door as church, to prepare the way for Jesus in people's hearts, to do church and life in a way that's real, that's authentic, that's understandable in the cultural context in which we live. You see, the message of the gospel will never change. It'll never, ever change, but the way that we share it will change and has to change because culture changes, language changes, what we're dealing with changes, but the message will never, ever change. That's the first one. We always want to be about helping people explore faith, and if you're here today and you're exploring faith, I trust you're able to do that. Alpha course, unbelievable video-based course where you can ask the tough questions. You can disagree with what's said, but we want to be a people who are always in that place. Next thing, verse 77, it says to give people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of God. Second thing God's calling us to is to share the truth of the gospel. It says that to give people knowledge of salvation, knowledge of being able to be saved through forgiveness of sins. You see, we're in a world that doesn't like uncomfortable. We're in a world that doesn't appreciate truth. What's true to you is true to you. Keep it to yourself. Don't share it with others, particularly if it's about Jesus Christ. You can have a truth and we can follow it, but if it's about Jesus Christ, it's offensive. And we live in that society and it's, it's coming to Zimbabwe. It's not as much. We're a lot more open than other nations, but it will come. But we have to share the truth of the gospel in all its fullness. A Christ follower is not determined by our actions by our upbringing, by our clothing, our nationality, our wealth, or where we live, but it's by a heart transformation that then affects all of life. And the truth of the gospel is that God created a perfect world, and that through the sin of one man, Adam and Eve, evil and brokenness entered our world and our hearts. And we don't need to teach our children to disobey us and to disobey God, they do it naturally, and that alone is proof that inbuilt and in of ourselves, we are not good people. Society will try and say that, no, no, you're a good person. No, we're not. And we know it because from a young age, we like to disobey. We like to go our own way. And that's proof that we aren't born good. Actually, there's something wrong in our lives. We each have something called sin. And that sin will separate us for all eternity from a perfect God, an eternal destiny outside of anything good. You know, even the worst situation on earth is often flavored or peppered with a little bit of good. Do you know that once we reach eternity, once each of us die, and there's only one of two places, with God or without, I don't know if you and I can comprehend what it's like 
to experience life with the absence of anything good. We experience goodness now, and even if we're not believers, we experience the overflow of God's goodness because He is goodness. But for eternity, if we choose not to have a relationship with God, we get what we want, we get exactly what we want, that's the absence of anything good. I don't think you and I can comprehend how horrific that is. But that is what sin will do to you and to I, to I, to me. But because of God's love for us, the Father sent His Son to pay the ultimate price, death, His life for ours. And only that perfect sacrifice would satisfy the wrath of God against sin. The one true lamb, we're talking about John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, coming down to the river where he was, he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he was saying the lamb is a sacrifice. His death is going to provide a way for us to have our sins taken away. Jesus' blood shed on the cross was the acceptable offering to God for your sin and mine. And so if we believe that Christ died and rose again, defeating the power of sin and death, if we repent, which means I'm living for myself, but I'm making a decision now to live for Christ. If we repent, if we make that decision, we experience new life in Christ, our eternal destiny is changed. We don't believe that when we die, we float in the clouds and fly high with the angels. No, if we make a decision to follow Jesus, we live with him forever. If we don't make a decision to follow Jesus, we live without him forever. There's one of two options, and it's an active decision. You and I don't float into a relationship with God. We aren't born into it. We don't get confirmed into it. We make a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And then we experience new life in him. And that is the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins. That's the tender, loving mercy of God. It's undeserved love and forgiveness. It's not getting eternal punishment that we deserve for our sin. That's the truth, and it's uncomfortable. And many in churches around the world don't like to share the uncomfortable truth of our brokenness and Jesus having to pay that price because it makes us feel a little bit awkward. But it's the truth. And it's God's love in action. It's what we need to share with our friends, family, and colleagues. If you're listening today, maybe for the first time, that is the good news of Jesus. You can respond to it today. You can experience new life in Christ. And it is a matter of life and death. So that's the second thing we're called to do. The third thing. By the rising sun, this new life of Christ will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. God calls us to radically love and pursue those living in darkness. In Luke as well, it says, Jesus came, Luke 10 verse 9, he came to seek and to save the lost. He calls us to do the same. You know, you can be successful in every aspect of life, but if you don't know Christ, you're living in darkness. You can be successful in every area. You can have the best marriage, raise the best kids, but without Jesus, it's walking in darkness and set for eternal darkness. But Jesus draws us out rather than waiting for us to come to him. He makes the first move. He calls us to make the first move as people of hope. People are living in the shadow of eternal death and don't know it. Our lives can end like this. We did a series in James last year. It talks about our lives being a mist. You and I live as if our lives are going to last forever, but it might end on our drive home. That's the reality. It's missed. It's here one day, gone the moment. No matter how long any of us last, it's short compared to eternity. Whether it's you live to 30 or you live to 90, it's very short compared to it forever. 
very short. And we want to tell people the truth and we want to do it in love. That's the most loving thing to do, to love people, to spend time with them, to accept people as they are, faults and all, because we've all got faults. We have those same issues. People need love and to experience it, to have conversations that there's a God who loves them deeply, that time is short. Finally, what's God calling us to do this year? To guide our feet in the path of peace. When we follow God's ways, the result is peace in our hearts. The result is a life free from anxiety, a life where we put our heads on our pillows at night and we can rest well and we can rest confidently because we know that there is a God who is large and in charge. There is a God who rules and reigns supreme. He's got this world together. He's got our lives together and we can rest in that. That's about walking in peace. But not only that, it's about being people who bring peace. We live in a world that brings aggro and brings strife. But God calls us to be people who step in and bring peace. To be a people that break down barriers, that calm anger, that open the doors to exploring faith is contagious and it helps people um, and us to look like Christ in the world. So that's the big picture. Those four things um, that were up. If you go back one, Cal. There we go. Those are the four things that God's calling us to do, and he will keep calling us to do them. But last bit, last section, how do we then live in such a way that those come about? How do we actually live as Christ followers so that those come about? And so if you call yourself a Christ follower today, the question I ask you is this. Thanks, you can move on. Thanks very much, Galen. Is your faith evident to those you interact with? If you call yourself a Christ follower today, is your faith evident to those you interact with? If I were to ask your friendship group, your work colleagues, your family, the teller at the shop that you go to regularly, the petrol attendant where you go and fill up with fuel fairly often, if I was to ask them, hey, tell me, what would you say is Mike's priority in life? Or what's the evidence that Margaret follows Christ? If any of you are Mike or Margaret here today, I didn't mean anything by it, unless the Holy Spirit's convicting you, and then therefore I did. But if I was to ask them that, would they be able to say to me, 100% Craig, spot on, that person follows Jesus, it's so evident to me. Would they know? Would they be able to say easily, whether they agree with it or not, would they be able to say very easily, 100%, I know what that person lives for? Big question for each of us to answer today. And the Holy Spirit will challenge us in that. You see, there's key indicators in our lives as Christ followers when it comes to our speech, when it comes to our behavior, our priorities, and the community that should be in stark contrast to anyone who comes into contact with us who doesn't yet know Christ. If we're Christ followers, people should know within a few conversations, spending a bit of time with us, having a meal with us, doing business dealings with us, in a very short space of time, people should be able to say, there's something different, I can't put my finger on it, or I can, that person follows Jesus. And so if that isn't evident in your life, you need to be asking yourself the question, either number one, do I actually know Jesus? Has he actually changed my heart? Or number two, have I allowed my lifestyle to move away from what he has called me to? You could even be brave and do this test. You could even ask some of your work colleagues, some of your friends on the golf course, hey, what do you think is the most important thing to me? Be a good showing as to what people answer, what they say about us. That's what God is challenging us to this year and every year. But what does it look like? You might say, well, Craig, that's fine, but what does it practically look like to be people of hope, to be Christ followers? We have to start back at 
when the church began on earth. The time Jesus had died and risen again, he left his Holy Spirit as our helper. He challenged us to go to the ends of the earth to bring his kingdom. And the outworking was immediate in the people who came to know Christ. The people who received him was immediate. And it says it in a few short sentences in the book of Acts. Luke, the, the physician, wrote it, and it was about the early church. We're going to break this down as we, we go about it together. And uh, this is what it says. I'll read it. And the, talking about the early Christ followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon every soul. Many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had everything in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved, those who were coming to faith. So how should we live? A few quick points to challenge us as we close. Firstly, devotion to the Lord. It says there in that passage, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. It means that we love the Lord and his word above everything else. It means that God's word is what defines our lives and not society. It's the truth, not a truth. Our goal must always be to interpret it correctly. We try to do this best we can, to walk humbly under God's word. It should be a priority in our hearts to live by, to teach it to our children. It's the foundation of our lives. We must always allow God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit to shape our lives, to shape our speech, to shape the way that we dress, how we spend our money, and more. For a few questions. Fathers, are we leading our families towards a relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it evident to our children that is dad's greatest priority? That's what dad cares about more than anything else, Jesus. Is that what our kids are seeing in our lives? Husbands, are we setting the example of what it means to serve and lead our families like Jesus? Ladies, are we dressing in such a way that honors Jesus? Jesus is walking with us in the room, walking around as we, as we chose what to wear. Would he be going 100% amazing to wear that? Or would he be going, actually, I don't think that's helpful? We need to ask ourselves these questions. Does our speech honor Jesus? What we say, the way we speak about other people, the language that we use, is what we watch pure and right? Would we be happy sitting there watching that together, Jesus in the room, 100% going, that's a great thing to watch, or is it unhealthy? Are we honoring God in our sexuality, in our relationships? Many things we could say, but what it means to be devoted is to say, Jesus, you are my priority above everything else. Honoring you is more important than anything else, and I'm going to stake my life on it. That's what the early church did. Secondly, committed to community. Fellowship, it says there. It's a big word for living in close community and friendship, not through screens, which we're good at, but face-to-face. -face. It means Sunday services are priority in our lives. If not, why not? Parents is meeting together as a family of faith, something that's a habit in your family, or is something you do as a family when ah, there's nothing else on today. Like kids don't have sport, like I, I can't go fishing, there isn't any work to do, ah, I guess we better go to church. Or is it actually, that's what we do as a family and everything else takes second place. So the questions are asked, the challenging ones. Do we prioritize opportunities for connection and growth? 
Leadership Academy, Men's, Men's Connect, Marriage Alpha, Don Bashawa Hikes, Prayer and Fasting that we do once a month. We've got connect groups that meet across the city, different places. Some meet every week, some meet every other week. They're places to share, to encourage, to be vulnerable, to grow our faith and a faith walk and more. If you aren't in one, there's something holding you back. And if something's holding you back, what is it? But you can sign up at the back. We will link you up. We've got, I think, another three or four launching in the next week. So it's exciting to meet in the weeks together. Breaking bread. Breaking bread is something that we do as Christ followers, taking community, which reminds us that we're different. It reminds us that we're different to the rest of society, that Jesus has done something in our hearts, that our lives are bound up in Christ, that he died for our sin, that he is our everything that we belong to another kingdom. Such a precious reminder. We do it at least once a month here. You can do it in your homes. You can do it with friends. Before you have a bribe, before you have a meal, hey, let's just break bread together. Let's remember that Jesus is the most important one. Let's remember that he is the one that we serve. Let's celebrate what he did for us on the cross. Isn't that rain beautiful? Been praying for that for like a week. So it's incredible. Thank you, Lord, for that. So they, they broke bread. They remembered Jesus. They're people of prayer. We want to be a people who walk and talk with Christ, personally together. So how's your prayer life? I'll be vulnerable for a moment and say probably last year was shocking for me. I, I, I just lost the habit. I didn't, yes, I talked with God at different times, but he, he wasn't priority in prayer life. And it's been such a joy um, and, and such a help from Sarah and, uh, and the kids to actually make it priority again in my life, that time with God first thing in the morning. And I've loved it getting back to hearing God speak, working out and acting out what he's saying. But how's your prayer life doing? We do once a month prayer time as well. Join us. Join us together for an hour on our uh, a day that we pray and fast, first Monday of the month. Might be first Tuesday, pending venues. But we do it together, but do it alone. Do it together. Do it with your kids. Time with Jesus is a special thing. It will change your life and that of the church. Radical generosity. The early church shared as everyone had need. They sold access to be uh, excess, not access. <laughs> Everybody, if you want to come to church next week, we're selling access. <laughs> $100 front row, 10 bucks at the back. I'm joking. Um, it's terrible that people do that. Horrific. But we're not selling uh, access. But they sold excess to be used for the advance of the kingdom. The early church was focused on investing in another world. I'd like to ask us the question, are we focused at investing in this lifetime or are we focused at investing in the next lifetime that lasts for all eternity? I've said before that what we need to do with our money is what we do with our money is the greatest indicator of what kingdom we live for. It's something for each of us to do monthly and each year of our lives to say, Lord Jesus, is my money a tool to grow your kingdom or is it a tool to grow my own? That's the question we need to ask. And Jesus spoke about money so much because he knew of all the gods that we can worship, money is the greatest. And in the northern suburbs, money is the greatest we can worship. And so we need to regularly ask ourselves these questions and just say, Lord Jesus, who am I worshiping? He'll show us. That's how good he is. And man, the generous life is an exciting life. And we're seeing this happen left, right, and center at Hope. Radical generosity, big amounts, small amounts. One of the first gifts we received at Hope Church was 10 bucks. Was it 10 or 20? 10. It was 10 bucks. Somebody came and said, I just want to give this because I want to see God do stuff at Hope Church. 
We've had people give tens of thousands. The amount is not important. It's the heart behind it that is. God multiplies it. So assess your finances today. Would it be evident from your resources that Christ is priority? If we were to open up our resources, our savings, what we spend our money on on a month-to-month basis, would it be evidence that we follow Jesus? The question for each of us to ask. And we need to train our kids in this. Train your kids to give. Give them pocket money. Don't give them all the money they want. Give them pocket money and say, what would you like to give to Jesus out of this? Challenge them in that. Then the final thing, worship. They magnified God in all that they did and people took notice. God recognized there was, um, people recognized there was something different about them. Their entire lives were an offering to God to use as he would like. He was on the throne of their lives. He mattered more than anything. That's worship. It's a life orientated around something. Make yours orientate around Christ. We all worship something every day. Worship Christ. And as we close, do you want to know some of the beautiful results that God's been bringing about at Hope Church, he will bring about in greater measures as we do this personally as a church in 2024. We get it from that passage as well. There was an increasing awe and wonder of God, the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit. The tangible presence, that sense where there's just something different in the room. There's something different in the conversation I'm having. God's here and he's close. And that will happen in increasing measures. Signs and wonders taking place. We've seen some of those happening amongst us. That's the overflow of God's presence at work in our hearts. We say, Lord Jesus, keep doing that. Why does God do the miraculous? Two reasons. Number one, to demonstrate that his kingdom is supernatural and it's not of this world. And number two, to show that he loves us. Two reasons why he does it today. What else happens as a result? We become a family of faith that bridges racial divides, bridges economic lines. We spend each other time in each other's homes regardless of the color of our skin, the bracket of our wealth. That's another overflow. Joy and gratitude are visibly expressed. People who are close to Jesus are the most joyful, period. Those who walk close to Christ are the most joyful in all circumstances. Do we have bad days? Yes. But does Jesus bring us joy? Yes. That's the inevitable overflow. God's the happiest, most joyful person. And so when he's in our heart and it's overflowing, that's the result that flows from our lives. And then finally, we experience explosive growth. It says there on the back of how these disciples, how these followers of Jesus lived, it says there at the end, God added to their number day by day those who were being saved. God's been doing amongst us already. And we say, Lord Jesus, would that keep happening? Because there's more people in our city who don't yet know Christ. We want them to. We want them to know the life-changing power of Jesus. And so those are some challenges. Uh, it was maybe a lot to take in. Listen to it again. I'll put out some notes. We'll do this in connect groups as well. Um, but I would love us to stand and pray as we close. If you've never given your life to Christ today, Today is a good day, and you don't have to say anything special or do anything special. It comes down to you saying, from what I've heard today, from what I've sensed in my spirit, I just know Jesus is real. I know I need to make a decision to follow him, and it's saying, God, would you change me from the inside out? And so, Lord Jesus, if there's anyone like that today, 
and anyone, and people's, people's eyes are closed, and people's heads are bound, um, it doesn't even matter if people were looking around, but you can make that decision right now. You can say, yup, God, that's me. For the first time ever, I believe. And if you do that, and if you do that in your heart, chat to us, chat to the table afterwards, chat to a friend and say, would you help me on this journey? Would you help me to grow in my relationship? Come and chat to me afterwards. But if, if it's your moment today and you know God's working, you can move today from eternal death to eternal life, from walking in darkness to walking in the light. And it can happen right now. And God will do that and he'll challenge you in that. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that this year, 2024, we would be a people of hope, truly. I pray that we would know who we are, we would know what we're called to, we would know how to live, and as a result, we would enjoy and we would celebrate the inevitable overflow of that, which is awe and worship of the one true king, that's you. It's the miraculous as your kingdom comes in a powerful way. It's radical family of faith that bridges all different lines, color, wealth, um, education. It just bridges it all. We don't care. We're together in the family of faith. That it overflows with radical generosity. That uh, you continue to um, help us as a church to be a river of blessing. Over December, we were able to give to so many different places. God, in 2024, we want to extend that. We want to use resources to magnify your kingdom in any way that we can. And God, that we would see many come to faith. We can't fit here as it is. We don't know what the next steps are. Are they extra services? Are they different venues? You sort that out, Lord Jesus. But we want to, as a church, be available and open to all that you would want to do. I pray that for each of us who would call ourselves Christ followers today, Holy Spirit, that right now in this moment, you would challenge us in 2024 to make you the greatest priority, the one that we worship, the one who leads our marriages, who leads our families, who leads our parenting, who leads our businesses, the one who is in control of our resources, the one who uh, is worth giving of our time and of our lives to. There's no greater call. It's costly, yes. Is it worth it? Oh, yes. And so would you help us to do that? Would you help us to reset our lives, to point again to true north, you and to live this year with the midst of our lives however many days or hours or years you give us on earth that we would live for what matters most we ask this in your powerful wonderful name lord jesus everybody says amen